Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 41. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are in the world, I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. And we've got a great guest all the way in Miami, Lonnie Ogulnik. And this intro is possibly one of the best intros that I have had. And I am so looking forward to speaking to Lonnie about this. So Lonnie Ogulnik gets up every morning at 4.30 to take a bath full of ice, follows that up with a grueling boot camp workout, Till his body reaches full exhaustion. Then he heads to work. He's a professional athlete or just a masochist? Neither. He's actually a wealth advisor and an author. In Lonnie's book, The Heart of the Beast, he details his views of, on business as war and the need for high performers to push their bodies and minds to their limits in order to succeed. Lonnie, I just want to say welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so really looking forward to hearing all about this. So, first of all, could you share with our, the listeners your journey in in how you came to this point right now? Oh, sure. So, uh, now I'm uh, in the corner office. I work in Miami um, directly underneath a guy by the name of Dr. Phil Frost, who's one of the world's wealthiest men, Forbes 400, guy's uh, the owner of multiple businesses. Uh, he made his hit in uh, biotech. But he's also the chairman of Ladenberg Stallman, which is the parent company of the independent advisory firm Gordon Wealth that I'm affiliated with. Um, so that's where I am today. And how did I get from graduating college as a lost puppy and uh, a lost soul to uh, the corner office underneath one of the wealthiest men in the world. Uh, I would say um, a lot of twists, turns, a lot of luck, fate, and hard work. Mm. Um, and uh, I'll start right out of college. Um, mm. Everybody that I uh, uh, was running into was seemed to me uh, to be like heading in the right direction. Like everybody had like a course or a path. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have anything. I was just like, okay, my parents sold the company business that my grandfather started and my uncle was in and my dad was in. And then uh, I was supposed to go into, you know, 21 years of my life. That's all I knew. Uh, and uh, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? So uh, I was with my fraternity brothers, um, trying to, you know, network through that, um, ironically that networking, you know, paved the way for me to get into the financial advisory business. Um, and I, I'm going to say to people who are listening to this, uh, whether it's a fraternity or a club or what have you, um, what I got mostly out of college was this giant network of people that I was friendly with and became associated with. Um, these people will have a very important role in your life later on. So when I got out of college, my first job was with PageNet. It's now defunct, but beepers were kind of cool back then. And again, going back to the theme, the guy who interviewed me for the job, I was um, he was from my college and uh, he was a manager and just struck up conversations through the same college he hired me but i got fired from that job six months later because i was a delivery boy for beepers i don't even know if i made it for six months but 
a buddy of mine threw me uh, a lifeline, got me a job selling at WorldCom. Now, I was supposed to sell at PageNet, but they didn't have me selling. I was just buy, you know, picking up pages that were broken. So then I, I get a job at WorldCom and I'm selling and I'm happy because at least I'm putting my energy somewhere. Then I'm looking around and there's no role models. Everybody that I'm looking at is like, whatever, no one's really like somebody I aspire to be like. Um, so six months later, uh, I'm being told by everyone how great I am on the phones and I should be a stockbroker. This is in late 97. Um, so uh, again, back to the theme of fraternity brothers, um, a couple of my fraternity brothers you know, got me a, a job at a local brokerage firm. I started interviewing with like Morgan Stanley and Advest and trying to network through all my different avenues to just reach out into the financial world. Um, but I was finding roadblocks being that they wanted experienced advisors, go get your license. And I had a local brokerage firm right near my home that were, was willing to take a shot on me. So I walk into the brokerage firm and I look around and I'm starting to see people that I, you know, can emulate. Um, and I had to pass the series seven. So I was a C student, never really, you know, had the confidence that I was going to pass that test. That's kind of what held me back. I think my fear of passing this exam, lo and behold, I passed the exam. Um, I'm going to fast forward now cause I don't know how I can go on forever here. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm going to fast forward and say, you know, that first year, um, I, I plugged in, uh, to, just being the best I could possibly be in this area. And uh, I became a top uh, account opener. Next year, I became a top um, producer, uh, got noticed by upper management, quickly got promoted to managing director. Uh, those same guys that noticed me then took a liking to me. And when the firm was going to set up their flag in Miami, I was the only one that was asked to move down to Miami to help set up the firm down here. I obliged. I then, you know, after about 11 years here, finally had uh, made a decision to actually break off and go stay within the firm, but go into the channel of independent advisory where now I'm paying my own rent, you know, my own staff, keeping the lights on, doing everything on my own as an independent advisor and starting to grow Gordon Wealth. Um, and in parallel with that, I, I wrote a book, uh, Fight, uh, The Heart of a Beast, um, surviving in the lone wolf economy, trying to, you know, uh, run a parallel financial life advisory. So I, I like to say I run half financial advice, half life advice, and I merge the worlds hmm. um, because I think that today's financial advisory world is more about how can you achieve your goals today rather than um, how am I going to be 30 years from now? So um, my practice is geared towards really helping someone today mm. with what they need. And um, okay. whether that's something in a marriage or in life or in finance, all these worlds really combine and, and merge. So that's kind of like the nuts and bolts without yeah. going any further. No, no, that's brilliant. Okay, so you, you we talk about the, the you know, you work with high performers pushing their bodies and minds to the limits in order to succeed. And... Obviously, that's some a place where you've had to get to to get to where you you have got to and your and your successes. And I suppose there's two elements. This one is obviously you have a a very um, uh, a, certainly in, from the point of me a very unique morning routine um, to get you into that place 
to to be to be to reach your high performance and what what brought you it what got you into working to that point where you're waking up at 4 30 in the morning you're doing that grueling boot and and then you are assisting high performers to get their bodies and mind to that to that peak level of performance as well can you just talk us through um that sort of process yes so um i'll give the uh listener a little wiggle room uh 4:30 to 5:15 is okay. sort of like the wake up range um depending on what time i get to bed because okay. i need 7 hours so okay. if i if i pass out at 9:30 i might be able to get up at 4:30 but if i go to bed at you know 10 yeah. you know i'm waking up at 5 so it it's it's in that in that realm or in that range so you know this is an interesting story i left new york i weighed 179 pounds I wrote a goal down when I was like 22 to be 150 pounds cut, like meaning like I could take my shirt off and feel confident and feel good. Um, I started right after college. You know, I was a skinny kid my whole life. I wrestled 112 pounds senior year in high school. So I was always skinny. And then, you know, after college, I kind of was starting to get a belly. People were laughing. Oh, Lonnie's fat. Did you hear? You know, like that was just something that started to happen to me. It was just the product of sitting at your desk working and not doing anything. So when I left New York and I moved to Miami, I started playing tennis and, and I thought that was working out, but it really isn't. That's just sort of like getting outside and being, uh, being active. So when I, when I got into the book, um, and I decided to write this book, um, I would say maybe two or three months prior to that, um, the markets were getting volatile and and the business was tough. People were constantly, you know, unsure of what the Fed was going to do. And it was causing uh, the markets to fall hard. And, you know, I just felt uneasy about some of the investments we were making and how do you keep, you know, clients in the game when they're getting nervous with this you know, date, you know, one day the market would drop 20% in a day, you know, this flash crash. And then the next week, you know, it'd be something else. So anyway, um, I started lifting weights again and getting back into shape to, to cure a shoulder injury that I had probably from tennis, but my shoulder was really in bad shape. Uh, I didn't want surgery. So the doctor told me to work out. So I have a buddy of mine, a really close friend who's like, what are you doing? Like, you're doing a workout from like the nineties. So he got me into this, um, with this trainer at six in the morning. That was the only slot he had open for him. Mm. So I started going with him at 6am twice a week. And, uh, I would then go to the spa. I live in Williams Island that has a spa. And I noticed that there was this cold plunge and, I personally would never in a, in a million years. You, if you said to me a few years ago, Lonnie, here's $1,000, go in the cold plunge for a minute, I'd say no. I would just be like, no way, I'm not doing that. You know, it was just something I would never do. Um, but I, I remember the turning point. The, the anxiety from the stock market was really starting to get on me that that period of uh, of time. So I looked at it and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm listening to the Wim Hof on, on, uh, on podcasts. And I'm watching these professional athletes go into a cold plunge. Um, there has to be some, you know, real redeeming qualities to it. So it would actually be after my workout when I would head into the uh, spa and I would do a six-minute um, steam, go into the uh, jacuzzi, loosen up the muscles, and then go into the cold plunge. And then I would come out of the cold plunge. And it was such a rejuvenating experience that I could not believe 
the feelings that I had. Okay. It was uh, a combination of the endorphins from the boot camp at 6 a.m. and then whatever was happening from the cold, hot scenario hmm. that was causing me to be like a different person. Like it was just a different animal. Hmm. And then that became addicting. And then when it becomes addicting, you want to tell other people about it. And I started to then branch off into other boot camps in my neighborhood. And then I created a boot camp in my own Williams Island where I live. So now I'm doing boot camps about five days a week. Um, and I'm in that cold plunge like religiously. Not only am I constantly injured from different things, that has a healing effect. Um, it, you know, I lost 10 pounds. Like I was stuck at 160. And then, you know, a few months later after starting this, it must have just crushed the brown fat and sped up your metabolism. And I got to that 150 where I am today. Um, and I, I do believe part of that had to do with the cold plunge. So it's, it's, it's sad that not everybody has access to something like that because yeah. um, as painful as it is to get in that cold plunge and do it, it, it the rewards are amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Um, I may even dare myself to try that. I have to say, if 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 because I noticed, um, I can't remember what it was. I think I saw Tony Robbins do something in this film that's on Netflix, um, and he does the cold, the cold plunging pool. And I've heard a few people talk about it. So, you know, and if it, if it's helped you, there's and there's obviously science behind it. All that professional athletes wouldn't do it. So it's right. it's from that point. So with regards to Heart of the Beast, is could you um, give us uh, more detail about what that book is is really focusing on? You talked about how you're bringing sort of the the life of work and the life of of, of life together. And what it, could you tell us a little bit more about the book? So the heart of a beast um, stems from um, my uh, session with individuals and characters that are operating at a level. Um, higher than the norm. Mm. So uh, let's call it the one percenters, yes. not monetarily. I didn't interview anybody for monetary reasons. Um, I deal with people monetarily wealthy, poor, it, but this was about a healthy living, right? Mm. I, I kind of like was observing certain types of individuals and you know, monetary success, they often say that, like, money doesn't buy happiness, and I think mm. that's very true. Mm. It helps, don't get me wrong. Right? Yes. You could buy things, you could help, it helps you out. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say that money no. doesn't you know, help, but, yeah. but being healthy and, and, and mentally, physically sound is mm. really, you know, a byproduct. I, I call it the two banks, Hmm. Okay, this is what I got out of the heart of a beast surviving in the lone wolf economy. After I personally wrote it, I wrote, uh, I realized that there's two banks that we have. We have the endorphin bank. That's why I want to work out early in the morning. And we have the financial bank account. They both stem from two things. Don't worry uh, so much about getting in good shape. That's a byproduct of you sweating and working out and pushing yourself and your brain to the limits of collapse. Mm -hmm. You know, push that wall in your mind as far and as hard as you can, mm -hmm. and you will reap the rewards through, you know, being in better shape and feeling better mentally mm -hmm. and physically. Do that same thing in whatever you're working on uh, mm -hmm. in business as an entrepreneur, and mm -hmm. then you will get customers, you will raise money, your bank account will get bigger. So that that's really where I went. And the book mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily about me 
being mm. a beast, but searching, and I do seven interviews in there with individuals that are operating at that level. I throw in a lot of my life experiences as a kid growing up and connecting with what my true North Star is, what I'm good at doing, mm. and, and some of the individuals and people and experiences that I've had in the world of being a beast. So being a beast, really take the A out of beast, and it's just being the best version yeah. of you. Yeah. That's what I consider a beast, being mm. the best version of yourself. Yeah. And, and for you, what do you find um, through your experiences, what are the biggest challenges that get in the way of people reaching their potential? I know the list is probably long, but if you could give us some ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a fine line between being a narcissist and also um, be, taking care of yourself, right? Like, mm. don't step over the line and, and not care about anybody else. Yes. But you really got to be able to carve out time for you. So hmm. you, you, you might think I'm crazy for waking up at 5 in the morning or 5.15 to make sure that I get my workout in. But um, it, if, if I didn't do that, I can't get that workout in. That's going to help me be better, and that's yeah. going to help my day be better and whatnot. Hmm. So it's time management in the sense that you know, if you're married, if you have kids, you're juggling a lot. You you have to be able to identify some time for you to work on you, because if you don't get you right, everything else around you is going to crumble. Yeah. So you have to find that for you. Yeah. When I am um, when I teach it, I call it being positively selfish, because it's yeah. it's that. I think when I when I was when I was ill um, and I had a long term illness, is the, the I kind of like got the idea from the airplanes. When it was, you need to give your put your oxygen mask on first, in order to save the people that you care about, and it's it's. I always find it's very much that philosophy because if we don't do self care, we can't do the care towards the people who we care about. Yeah, and that's monetarily too. Like mm. if if I can't make like sometimes, you know, I often have an issue with, um, you know. Some people, if you don't have enough money to help someone that you care much about, mm. right? Like you need, you need, you think that someone's being greedy or what have you. But it, when when I look at the world today, I know I have to be the provider for my family so that yeah. not only can I give them what they need to survive in the world, but what if a friend needs a helping hand? Mm. And I can provide for that. That's you know, it's all part of the uh, the equation. Yeah, and I and I suppose from from that other point is is that um, that spiritually whatever you want fulfills an even deeper part of um, fulfillment as well on you, doesn't it? Hundred percent. Hi, it's Jeff here. So if you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are, are wanting to create and live an exceptional life, then why not jump over to our Facebook page? You can go to www.successinstigators.com or you can search for Success IQ and it will show up there. I look forward to seeing you there and joining in the community. Take care. Have an amazing day. Okay, so now we are back for the second part of the show. This is a, an opportunity, Lonnie, for me to put my... Uh, my guests um, and ask them 
questions that I ask every single guest on the show just to see what common threads come through. One, because I'm nosy, and the other thing is it's really interesting to see what um, what different people think and how they and how they perform on certain things. So the first one is is um, and obviously I know what you do is a, a morning routine. But how much time do you spend a week on self-development? Well, self-development would include reading and podcast listening and, yeah. and audio book reading. Yeah, so just crunch the numbers here. You know, you got an hour at boot camp. You got a half an hour of, um, you know, hot and cold and steam. And then you've got about a 45-minute drive to the office on a daily basis that I use towards Drive Time University, which would be, you know, a podcast that I love, an audio book that I want to listen to, anything that's going to be self-help in nature, getting my mind ready for the day. So you're talking about a good you know, two and a half hours yeah. a day in the morning. Yeah. And then I'm going to jujitsu at night on okay. my way home, really four nights a week. And I'm still listening to a new podcast or something at night on the drive home. I don't, I don't use that drive to, well, I will listen to music and stuff, but yeah. generally speaking, I like to catch up on podcasts. So mm-hmm. you're talking two hours at night, at least a little reading before bed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about four and a half hours a day I yeah, mean, of, of, of feeding my own, yeah. my own beast. Yeah. And how, how, how long have, has it been that you've done, that you've had that routine ever since you moved to Miami or did you do that before? So the working out routine, the jujitsu routine, that's been the last year, right. year and a half. Okay. Prior to that, I was playing some tennis at night. Okay. Um, but reading books and, and or listening to podcasts or cassettes back in the day mm. was always a huge part. I would never okay. go to bed. For the last 20 years, I wouldn't go to bed without reading a book. Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. Okay. The second question is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? Good question. I got a lot of. Can I use an author? Can I use an author rather than? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So pick your poison from Robert Greene. Um, the guy's just an absolute brilliant uh, genius guy. All he does is put uh, put hours into work work on personal development for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he has several books: um, Thirty Three Strategies of War, Mastery. Mastery would be really good. Uh, Art of Seduction, he did a book with 50 Cent, The 50th Law, that, his first book, The 48 Laws of Power. Mm. These are all books that are just deep, hardcore, realistic type yes. books. You could pick anyone. I mean, I love The 33 Strategies of War. Um, I just have a little of that warrior nature in me. Yeah. Um, but all of them. I yeah. mean, they're all. If, if you're a single guy and you want to learn a little bit right now yeah. about what you're doing wrong in the single scene, go read the uh, the Art of Seduction. Yeah, and really interesting enough, I have just heard. Um, I, I think it was probably last week. I heard an interview with him on the Chase Jarvis podcast, and it was really good. Um, you know, you can get you can get lost with how many different authors are on the personal development world. But um, the the interview with him was absolutely brilliant. 
So it's um, I think I've just ordered the mastery one from Amazon this week. So um, yeah, mastery's mastery's a little bit of a cleaner, healthier book. Yeah. The Forty Eight Laws of of Power. When I started in the business, I read it, but it was very relevant to the world I was living in on mm. Wall Street. It's really about the dynamics of power and how they intersect. Um, right. But uh, all of them are really, uh, oh, really just wild, deep reads. Excellent. Okay. And question number three is, what is your favorite app? Uh, right now, without a doubt, I'd have to say that's Instagram. Um, okay. That's your own television program, sort of like you can create your own PR firm today. You don't yeah. need to hire anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's an it's amazing up. world we live in, isn't it? With the ability of our, we can literally own our own video studio, radio station. It's just unbelievable. Right, and right alongside that would be Twitter, on on the okay. sense that like you and I can just interact and Twitter not really know each other. And yeah. Like, I, you have a, you, you can have a whole world of friends. I call Twitter the world. Um, the bar, you don't know anyone that you walk into. Yeah. And Instagram is, Instagram is the bar where it's all your friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Question number four is what is, what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? If I would have just in, so in 1997, 98, I walked into a, the financial world where like the stock market's bull market was raging and everybody was just buying stocks, including the uh, New York City cab guy, um, you know, the taxi owner. So it, if I didn't enter the financial world in that exact period of time and maybe did it in a little bit earlier, um, I would have just standard modern portfolio theory. For me, it would have been the long war. Um, instead, I got caught up early in that fast money game mm. where individual stocks were just ripping like a thousand percent, like left and right out of the gates on their IPO. If you remember that time in 99, mm. 2000, um, I would have, if I was a little bit uh, earlier in the game, I probably would not have been as much of a gunslinger early on in my career, right. which would have... Um, probably been the difference between me sitting on a beach sipping margaritas right now uh doing this versus in my office because i would have been you yeah. know one of the top financial advisors but it, it, it's a lesson i learned that i'm glad i learned it early on that mm. you know that fast stock game yeah. right it's not about the fast stock it's not about the quick money it's a long war diversify yeah. and plan your plan your financial success for the long term and advise your clients about the long term don't worry about those short term moves yeah brilliant that would have been uh... fantastic okay so um question number five is what are your challenges in balancing between work and life and how do you manage them well, clearly, as a family man, I have to find time for my kids. I have two young girls, and I have a wife that I have to uh, find time for mm. in the middle of writing a book, doing podcasts, writing, and my financial advisory practice. So yeah. what I believe in very uh, seriously here is uh, verbal communication as well as nonverbal communications. Mm. What do I mean by verbal? Communicate with your kids. 
why are you doing something? Why aren't you around? What, my kids are in New York right now. I'm not. I just started a financial advisor practice. I need to sit down and explain to my wife and my kids why right now I have to be at home while they're in New York, right? Yeah. That's the verbal. Mm-hmm. Be very upfront. Communicate whatever it is you're doing. As long as everybody understands mm-hmm. this is your role on the team, everyone's going to be happy. The nonverbal communication is my kids are watching me get up at five. Hey, I'm at the gym. Wow, daddy gets up and goes to the gym. Lead by example. Yeah. Okay. I do jujitsu at night. My kids now do jujitsu at night. Yeah. Why? Because they see their father doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, when my kids were in soccer as a kid, I was the coach. Lead by example. Mm-hmm. Th- that's your nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. And that's how I balance it out by communicating both verbally and nonverbally. Um, be, for me, the guy one day that my daughters want to marry and I really need to be there for my wife mm. and explain to her why maybe I'm not around all the time. Mm. And she gets it. I'm doing it for the family. Yeah. I love that, actually, because I know that when I was when I was ill and I was recovering, um, and I was ill for six years in total, is I realized while I was ill and, you know, unable to be the dad I wanted to be and unable to be the husband I wanted to be, is... It was it was those little things, and as you say, the verbal communication, the knowing how important they are, and speaking to them about what's going on. And uh, but the time I didn't want to speak to my family because I was just not in that place. I was clinically depressed and all of those sort of things. But then, as I got better, it was realizing and making sure that I I Im- implemented what I learned. You know, it's 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 that part, isn't it? That you you can like, if you know this stuff, just make sure you're doing it, rather than just going. Well, I know that. Yeah, exactly. You ha- you can't you can't. I don't take advice from people who have not been there and done that. No, I just won't do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so the the question number six is is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Fear. Okay. Uh, don't let don't let um, your own insecurities and your own fear stop you from going where you believe you can go. Brilliant. For me, that fear was not passing the series seven. Didn't think I could do it. Right. Again, was a C student. Yeah. Okay. Um, once I did conquer that fear, and I, and I and I went for it. Mm-hmm. I put my head down. Um, and don't worry about what your friends are doing. You know, yeah. uh, most of those guys aren't going to be in your life a few years later anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we get caught up in the group thing. Oh, I got yeah. to the Hamptons and party. Yeah. So when I put my head down, I didn't worry about that. Passed my series seven. Okay. Recognized I had a brain. Mm. I just it was it was over. Then yeah. I was I was I was moving on. But I I gave up maybe a year and a half um, that I didn't need to because of fear. Okay. So, Brilliant. Don't be scared. Absolutely fantastic. Okay. Question number seven is, is what is your definition of success? When I wake up in the morning and I walk outside and I say to myself, wow, you're lucky. You're mm. living the dream. Mm. That, if you can do that, if you can walk outside and say to yourself, I'm so lucky right now. Yeah then if you're not successful monetarily, you're on your way. But yeah. if you can do that, you're in a good, good place. 
I love that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay. Okay, so question seven is uh, my life lesson question. So these are questions that, these are things that I've learned when recovering from my illness and that I kind of like put them all together actually as a way to educate my kids is creating some sort of life rules. So what um, I get all my guests to do is pick a number between 1 and 50, and whatever the number lands on, we discuss the list, the lesson. And it's perfectly okay for you not to agree with it because it's a lesson. So you may have learned a different lesson, and it just gives us something to discuss. So pick a number between 1 and 50, Lonnie. All right. Um, I'm going to go with... uh lucky number 11 which was my soccer number my whole life okay. and which also became the number for my when i managing when i was a managing director at team 11 so okay. the number 11 has okay. always been a little lucky number so the number 11 is the art of listening um and i suppose when i'm looking at this i'm looking was the we've talked about communication verbally and non-verbally and that, that listening verbally and non-verbally, it's paying attention to what is going with oneself, but also paying attention to what is going on to the people that we care about. Um, now, that sometimes that will also transfer over to you know, business contacts, clients, prospects, all of those sort of things. But really, for me, it was about that, that training yourself to be an active listener and sometimes that power to pause and listen rather than just go off with what the first thing comes to your ears. And I wonder what you thought about that. Hmm. Couldn't say it better. Uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That might, that might be an Instagram post, that one. <laughs> no, I love that one. But have, have you found that something you've had to um, develop um, or is that something that you've done naturally, or is it something that you know that you've got better over time with? I won Chatterbox senior year of high school, so I definitely need all right, to work okay. on that. <laughs> uh, so li- listening in my line of work, uh, you know, mm. is an art form that mm. you know I look at as. You know, I'm part intelligence agent, right? So I need to understand everything going on with the client, with the prospect, and with the lead. Mm. So listening gives me the cues. It gives me the idea. It gives me my time to strike and Mm. time to back off. Mm. So, yeah, listening is, um, uh, I would say, 10 times more powerful than speaking. Because when you're speaking, you're more likely to say something stupid and then you turn the person off and you lost the lead, you lost the client. Listening, um, everybody loves a listener. Mm. Just be a good listener. You have a lot of friends because people love to talk about themselves. So yeah, I I, I, I love that. Uh, that Brilliant. That's your number 11 trait. Brilliant. Okay, so um, could you take a, t- take a moment just to tell people how they can find out more about you, where they can get hold of the book and any social media links that um, you would like to share and also we'll put them on the show notes as well yeah book is on Amazon uh, at this point you can just go on uh, The Heart of the Beast or Lonnie Ogolnik um, my website is uh, where you can find the, the financial gordonwealth.net www.gordonwealth.net 
that's just a little bit about me and the financial practice, the financial life advisory practice. I am pretty active, Gordon Wealth, on Instagram. Um, I wrote the book, so there's no pictures in the book, but you get a pretty good idea of everything I talk about, who I interview, what I talk about through my Instagram feed, um, and on Twitter at Gordon Wealth, which also uh, I, I really enjoy it. I don't tweet as much as I should, but I do enjoy it. Um, it the LinkedIn, Lonnie Ogolnik, anybody listening can hook up. Uh, if this is a business podcast, you know, that's where people are, you know, exchanging just friendlies and, and, and getting to know one another. Um, and for the most part, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. If you wanted to email me directly, Lonnie at GordonWealth.net, Lonnie at GordonWealth.net if you had any questions. Brilliant. Lonnie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um and um, I, you know, I wish you the greatest success with everything that you're doing. Um, and I just want to say thank you very much for for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was a blast, and uh, I love sharing ideas with like-minded people. Uh, you're on Team Blue Beast. That's the people who look at life, you know, clear-headed, humble, and uh, want to uh, want to find the best in others. So keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Sonny. So first of all, just let me say a huge thank you for tuning in or subscribing to the show. I'm very grateful for that. If you have any suggestions of topics that you would like to, to suggest that we have on the show, or perhaps you want to give me feedback of, uh, of what you think about the show, then you can send any emails to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk. I love hearing from you and your feedback really does help me make the show better. So if you want to find out more about me or how I can assist you to live the exceptional life, then you can visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can follow me on Twitter, look for GN Coach, or on all other social media sites, I am Jeff Nicholson UK. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you've also enjoyed the show, can I invite you to pop over to iTunes and give us a rate and review as it really does help make the podcast more visible to increase its audience. I look forward to speaking to you next week and I want to take this time to wish you the greatest success. Take care.